It began just as you see here. Do you know what you have just done? You have transferred us in time and space, and I hadn't even set the controls. Now I don't know where we are. We could be anywhere in the universe, and at any time. Yes, this is how it began. The adventure that started by accident, taking us out of this time and place to a lost planet. Who's there? Who's there? Come with us into that strange new world. We cannot guarantee your safety, but I can promise you unimagined thrills. Welcome to Prattle World. I'm your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Clone Wars, where two similar pieces of media clash to be crowned champion. Two go in, and only one comes out. And today... Join us on a journey beyond time and space, not into the world of the mighty Boosh, but into the world and the multiple worlds and the multiple interpretations of Doctor Who. And I have brought on a man who is no stranger to the Who-niverse, if you will. Uh, It is Sean Mason, who is an old friend and is currently the writer of Cutaway Comics, Paradise Towers, Paradise Found, which is Doctor Who-related media. Hello, Sean. I know it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. It has. Hello. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for for having me Uh, and letting me... Plug some stuff. Absolutely. Well, what, why? <laughs> well, let's. let's I thought I, I, I'm not yeah, even going to hide it. it. No, nah. I'm not hide it. No, be blatant. I'm not going to hide it. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to plug away, plug, plug, plug away. And, uh, and why not? You've had your first three issues are now out and available to go and buy. I will leave the link in the show notes so people can go and do that. Even I haven't bought them yet, but I will be doing the second we finish this podcast and I'll binge the hell out of them. But why don't you tell us a little bit about that comic and a the original kind of show and an idea it was based on. Yeah, great. Uh, so Paradise Towers was a Seventh Doctor adventure. And the one that really started to kind of solidify what they wanted to do with Sylvester McCoy's Doctor, it's a little darker, but it's still quite fun. Uh, they ditched a lot of the lore and continuity that had been built up and I ignored it, but they were just like, this, this is, this is bogging the show down. So let's just get back to adventures and romps and seeing where, where we can take, take our stories. And the uh, script editor, Andrew Cartmel uh, was a big fan of comics, uh, 2000 AD, all of the stuff that was happening. And there's a real sense of that 
in, in the original Paradise Towers, uh, which was written by Stephen Wyatt, uh, who is uh, just a lovely uh, human being. And it's set in a world where there's uh, this huge tower block, uh, a whole group of people have been off to war, and the people who've been moved to the tower block are the old residents, these caretakers who who were meant to be older, kind of home guard-esque. It's not necessarily who was cast. And these young girls who have formed their own girl gangs or kangs. And there's there's this sort of Halo Jones-esque-ness to that. Um, but it's almost kind of like the opposite. Where did they go? Nowhere. What did they do? Nothing. Because... And they have to create their own uh, adventures, really. Then you have Pex, who was meant to be this parody of Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger-style characters. And again, was a case of great ideas. Casting didn't necessarily match the intention. And uh, it's, it's, But it's a wonderful story, and you can see a lot of what Russell T. Davis would do later in that kind of tone that there's satire in there a little bit of politics maybe a bit of commentary but just ideas and great imagery and fun stories and it's a it's a brilliant world that Stephen created so for cutaway comics we went to Stephen. we said hey we, we we think there's more stories to tell in this world and Stephen owns owns the rights to to that um, and actually, we'll probably talk about that later in kind of rights. Yes, actually, yeah. You know, Terry Nation and the, the Daleks. And so we went, we went Stephen and we said, hey, we, we want to tell more stories and adventures in this world. And he was more than happy to, to work with us on that. So I developed a, a story. It's at 20-ish years later. It's kind of the next generation of Kangs. Seemingly, all of their problems have been fixed because surely that's what happens once the doctor leaves. Well, actually, in the serial, kind of the world's still mess. Like the immediate problem is, is, was fixed, <laughs> but but actually that the the that society is still pretty messed up. There's there's a lot of work still to be done. So it's kind of what happened next, and again commentary on how younger generations now are dealing with things that the older generations thought they'd dealt with and we thought we'd fixed and the world's going to be a better place now and actually it's not and we keep uh, doing as a society we tend to try and do the easy thing because it sounds like it'll be good for us but ultimately it's not always what is best for us and sometimes the harder decisions are the ones that we need to make uh to restructure our world and and make it work for everyone so uh it's about that but it's also about fun and adventure <laughs> and adventure <laughs> and uh it's doctors and so there's lots of or doctor who adjacent so there's lots of running down corridors and and action sequences and killer robots and uh anything else i could say would be a Spoiler. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, do, we'll, keep, we'll keep it under wraps. But, do uh, check it out, and uh, I'm, I probably shouldn't announce it, but I'm already working on a second one. Right. 
Oh, well, I've said it. I've said you've it. Said it. I've I mean, said I, it. If you need me to, I'm happy to cut it out. But um, yeah, I can yeah. I can leave that in as a little exclusive. Um, but that but, sounds but amazing. Unless unless the sales of issue four go really badly, <laughs> there's there's a second one coming. Well, I'm I'm buying all three issues today, and I'll be buying four, and I'll be buying the whole series, and then the next one as well, because it sounds like a really it's that sounds right up my alley. In, in regards to what I'm into, kind of sci-fi-wise and kind of uh, Doctor Who-wise. And the artwork looks really fantastic. Who, who does the art? It's uh, uh, a guy called Silvano Bertramo is our artist, and he's just brilliant. Like, I wrote the script during lockdown. He drew it. Like, he got things turned around so quickly. Uh, so it was really nice during lockdown or second lockdown, as the year, as the year went on. <laughs> All of them, All rolled of into them. one. The, the email, I just get emails every week with pages and pages of artwork, which are just really exciting. And then we have uh, Andrew Orton is our colorist and he's just made it pop. And then Colin Brockhurst is our letterer and he's also done some really great things with it. So, I couldn't really have asked for a better team for this for this book that have just really understood the assignment of of, <laughs> of, of the world and how it should look and how it should feel. And uh, yeah, it's just been really fun. Sounds amazing. That's quite an interesting idea that the Doctor comes in and shakes up the status quo, which he does in pretty much every episode yeah. of Doctor Who and all these different worlds and, and what have you. And what's interesting to me is is yeah how it's kind of a, almost a little reckless as well because you know there's like a power vacuum mm. and you know if if you know if it's a you know the daleks or the cybermen or something they're controlling that world particularly you know they they stop the threat or something yeah what happens after so I, I that's always quite an interesting idea so i'm i'm really looking forward to that and i'll try and hunt down the uh, the original episodes as well and see if i can watch that as well yeah do do that i i think it is one of the best Sylvester McCoy stories. I think it's really fun. I think it sets the tone for everything that comes after it. I, you know, I think everyone involved would admit that some of the ideas aren't pulled off fantastically because due to budgetary reasons or whatever. And that's great about doing it in comics. That kind of full circle thing as well. It, Andrew Cartmel loved comics. He was giving them to writers saying, "Hey, I just want you know, big sci-fi ideas drawing from from everywhere." Uh, and and now it's a comic again. I think it's really nice. And I was also really careful that because if you're doing this, you know, you're doing a sequel to something thirty odd years later. How many years it's been? And you want old fans to love it, but you also want new fans to discover it as well. So um, if you haven't seen the original, although you should, everything you're gonna need to know is in the first couple of pages, and you can just kind of pick it up and and run with it. And uh, and that was very deliberate. Oh, of course, yeah. No, I th- I think I think that was the smart thing to do. You know, you know what they say: everybody's comic book, uh, every, somebody's comic book is this. This comic book is everybody's first comic book. Whatever that phrase is, I forget it. But yeah, and, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> so so yeah, you kind of do need to kind of see that idea and kind of give give a little bit of a, a prologue to your, to your story. But it, it sounds excellent and it sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, again, I'll leave a link in the description for the comic. 
Uh, go pick it up. Cutaway Comics as well. Follow them. Follow Sean as well on his show social medias as well. I will leave those in the link as well. Um, but yes, so, so good. So um, obviously this that your story does not uh, feature Doctor Who, just to, yeah. to make make that aware, it's not a Doctor Who official comic. It is based on the writer. The writers, if I think you told me this, that the writers own the the rights to their world. Yeah, so the it's characters they create within them, but not Doctor Who and his stuff. It's from the worlds of BBC's Doctor Who, and we we can say that. But yeah, the Doctor doesn't appear. I mean, we we can't name them. In the, uh, in the book, in, in either, the book. yeah, fully, yeah. We, we, we can refer, we can refer to events, but it has to be, sure. but, you know, in the same way, like when characters jump in and out of Marvel ownership, and, <laughs> yeah, true, and <laughs> you can and can't refer to what happened at certain points. Yes, we we know there's a bloke from Atlantis, but we won't specifically name him. You know, yes. things, things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I absolutely, yeah, I totally um, get that. But yeah, just just I just wanted to say that just in case people are going in expecting to see the Doctor in there, just no. to just to make them aware. But it still sounds like a really creative and fruitful universe that you're that you're having the opportunity and the joy to to kind of play around with. Yeah, well, if if there wasn't something to do with it, I I wouldn't have done it you know as there there had to be a story that I could find that was interesting that was relevant to 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 people now and and was fun and and, and worth telling so uh, there's definitely loads to play with in that world and 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 it is Stephen's world and he was involved in he'd give notes he you know from from the story through to uh, the scripting and and I've met him a couple of times and you know we, we email and chat uh, a lot and there's there's a phrase in the in the show which is often a comic which is build high for happiness uh which is kind of their their saying their motto and mm. that's become our sign off on all of our emails so the way it works with ownership and this probably links into what we're talking about today is oh. in the UK you own or, or certainly back then, I, I'm, I'm not sure how, how much the world has changed, particularly now that streaming and uh, closer ties with with other uh, with American production companies. Mm. Um, this is probably a, a, a matter for whole of a podcast: the ins and outs of uh, rights <laughs> and. Yeah, well, I think ownership, nowadays, yeah. yeah, nowadays it is owning the rights to those characters or those properties, which are a big either yeah. box office draw or streaming draw. Yeah. You know, it's it's not we're not necessarily looking for like big name actors mm. or something like that. It is the the book rights or the comic rights or things like that. So so and you know, there's been a lot of court cases like Disney had one recently with the Predator that's only just been mm-hmm. resolved. So, you know, it's still, you know, it's still a very big issue, kind of copyright. Well that's it. I I think in in, in America it's assumed that you once you give it to the studio, it's the studios. Whatever you've created, but you should still get credited. So like so even if there's a new Predator film, it will still say based on characters created by, if you've got a good agent. And <laughs> no, I think, it, no, it, sh- it should always say that. But in the UK, if you created something, you created the world, it was yours. And the characters you created, they they were yours. It's the same like the Stormtrooper beer. If, have you seen the Stormtrooper? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. So that is not officially licensed to Lucasfilm. But the guy who designed... Stormtroopers, British designer, British film crew. So he owns those designs. Ah. So that's that's why that Stormtrooper beer exists. But it because 
Lucasfilm probably aren't going to put out a beer. Uh, out a beer. <laughs> Uh, for the, for the hey kids, kids. hey kids, have a beer. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, so th- this I don't know how interesting this is to people, but it is fascinating. The, the ins and outs, the ins and outs of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think it is fascinating. It is good that, um, and again, I think we'll probably get onto this in a little bit. But the fact that these these writers, I think I read the other day as well that the Daleks have to be featured in at least every series of Doctor Who or something. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how true that is, but it seems like it. Like, they are fairly constant. It, it's, again, so Terry Nation, his... I'll, I'll get this as accurate as I can remember. Beryl Virtue, the late, great Beryl Virtue, was his agent or the, or the producer, and she made sure that he got co-creator rights of the Daleks. So the Terry Nation estate own the Daleks. So if they want to use the Daleks, the BBC have to go to the estate. And I think to bring them back, yeah, the rumour was that there was a deal that they had to be featured in the same in the same way that uh, like Fox kept making Fantastic Four movies. Yes, it to was, keep the, enabled to keep using them. Use them or lose them. So it's, it's why Bob Baker, again, late great, Bob Baker, who who also wrote uh, some books for Cutaway Comics, uh, we we always go to the creators first, like if, if if to see if they want to write the comic, and if they sure. don't, then, then then someone else will write it. So Bob Baker, creator of uh, many great characters, most famously K Nine. So he owned that character. That's why there was a K Nine series that was made by an Australian production company. Uh, there was another canine series or movie in the works. I don't know what the state of that is now, sadly, after Bob's yeah. passing. But he was a lovely bloke as well. Writers are great. <laughs> they certainly are, just so, like you. Um, you are great, Sean. You are great. Oh, thank you. That's not why I said it. But <laughs> I, I was at a Doctor Who convention recently, and I, and I selling the book, and I, I did realise that I don't think more than anything, Doctor Who fans love the writers. And I think part of that is also because so many of those writers would then write the Target novelizations, which would then so much a part of people's childhood. Like, like with Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but I can't imagine many Star Wars, like the writers of The Mandalorian, other than John Favreau and Dave Filoni, going to a convention and people would be like, I've got to go meet this person. Like the fandom doesn't treat writers and in, revere them in that same way. But with Doctor Who, definitely it's... Well, I mean, that's that's always the modern complaint with Doctor Who series. You know, obviously, uh, there's been a lot of announcements um, uh, recently. They've they've cast the new Doctor Who, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the upcoming Doctor after the um, uh, Jodie Whittaker's regeneration. That will be the Doctor. I'm I'm blanking on 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 their name. Uh, I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head, but they've also announced that um, that David Tennant and uh, Catherine Tate are coming back this week. Actually, the announcements have been really fun. It's been interesting that we've we've had those announcements so early, and and I I can only assume that they've been official announcements because they knew because uh, there's been uh, set photos leaked. I think they must have known if they were doing exterior shots in Cardiff, people are going to make the link. Let's just announce it now. And and someone else, uh, Sophie Howes, who's a great uh, artist, as I saw she tweeted earlier that she she wonders if if there is more that we're not going to know. Mm-hmm. If they're prepared to let us know this now, what are they keeping secret? 
Interesting. I, I think we're in for a real treat with the specials. I I really hope Jodie gets a good send off. I think she's been fabulous in the role. I haven't agreed with every creative decision that the series has gone in, but I I I think she's been great. Yeah, I've, um, I've not caught I've not caught um, jo- much of a Jodie's version. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not great with TV. I, I tend to I'm a binger really, so mm. I tend to like sit down and go right. This is it. Uh, but I will say, uh, Mandip Gill, who's one of the assistants, back in the day, back at university, I was in the Crucible with her. We did the uh, we did the Crucible, and she well, the year above was Mandip's year, and I I was a small part in the Crucible, so that was pretty cool. So it was nice to see her go from Hollyoaks and to <laughs> and to onto Doctor Who and my the University of Central Lancashire, which was my university, is constantly going. Look at our success story. Um, <laughs> she, she's a lovely person as well, like absolutely, uh, just lovely, absolutely lovely from bottom to top. Great. I, I bumped into her a few years ago on the on like Oxford street as well it's really nice to see her again um but yeah wonderful person and an amazing actor um yeah brilliant it's just nice to see to see somebody i know like attain that sort of kind of success and but yes let's um let's segue onto our onto our discussion so we're going to compare uh, the Doctor, but not really the Doctor. Not really. So uh, we're going to get, we'll get into that and uh, and everything. But I just wanted to say that I'm I'm not as big a, a Doctor Who kind of aficionado as yourself, which is why I wanted to get you on specifically. So I mostly have watched the kind of Christopher Eccleston stuff. Mm-hmm. I've watched the, all of the David Tennant stuff as well. And then I've watched a smattering of the Matt Smith stuff and a bit of the Capaldi stuff and a bit of Jodie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always love Doctor Who. I always like the ideas, I like everything behind it. Like it always kind of, you know, it always interests me, excites me. But again, I'm not great for just sitting down and regularly watching a TV show. It's very, I find it a bit, I get distracted or I want to watch something else. And then I, even great TV, I don't regularly go back to, um, which is a shame sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, I should go back and watch. Like Cobra Kai was amazing. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> like, I've not even started. I've not even, oh, there you go. I've not there you go. Well, I mean, this is sad. I've actually found though that weekly releases of stuff. I've I've gone the opposite of binging. If you mm. drop something all at once, and I've got ten hours of stuff to watch, I'm like, yeah, when I gonna have ten hours? I don't have ten hours. <laughs> oh wait, every Friday I know I'm gonna get a new episode of this. Ah, ah. brilliant! I, I I've actually. My streaming experience, I've gone right back to old school, old school TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, I wanted to say as well, like the person who kind of turned me back in, well, tried, tried to get me to watch it was a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, improviser, actor, Ian, Ian Hales. You know Ian, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah, so uh, I worked with him at Alton Towers and we did a few improvisation workshops and stuff and we did a performance as well. Uh, I'm not as, as seasoned as you or Ian as, in, as an improviser, but I thought I did all right. I, I, I held my own, I think. Uh, <laughs> but you, you guys are, you know, top, top level, top class. And, uh, and he basically said, yeah, get into it. And I, and I absolutely love the tenant version. I think it was so hard for me to kind of, cause that was such a solid doctor who for me, I think it was hard for me. Not that I hate the Matt Smith stuff or the Jody or the Cabaldi stuff. It's just, it's kind of been hard for me to transition into the other doctors. Cause it was such a good, like solid run for me. Well, it's interesting. It's kind of following a similar path to the original series. 
in that David Tennant is kind of new who's Tom Baker. Everyone loves Tom Baker. Everyone, you know, probably has a favourite Tom Baker story that they remember, you know, or or they, you know, they, they really connected with that. It was just fun and exciting. There was a little bit of more Gallifrey stuff and more lore coming into it. And that was really exciting. It, it had depth and, and adventure and it was funny and some great drama as well, some really nice dramatic scenes. Um, and Tennant, was like, he, he had that popularity, uh, not just in the UK, but uh, in America and, and, and beyond. So and then after that, everything kind of gets a little bit more bogged down with continuity and law and you people start dropping off because either they don't like this doctor as much or that doctor. Mm. And then eventually the, the show just kind of needs a reboot. It's almost been back as long as like what 25th anniversary was, were they on the fifth doctor at that point? And we're getting on for 20 years of doctor who being back. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, give, give or take a few years. We're not, but we're not far off it. So it's been around for a long time now. So it almost feels weird to call it New Who. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, like there's stuff... Or that, modern Who. <laughs> that, that really is starting to feel not so far removed from the classic stuff. But yeah, let's uh, let's get back on to the topic of discussion. So let's talk about Doctor Who and the Daleks from 1965, the first time the Doctor was presented in colour and in widescreen in a theatrical film. Um, But it is not the Doctor as we know it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this film, first of all? Yeah, so Doctor and the Daleks is a really interesting case of... Uh, again, someone just getting the rights to something. Terry Nation is uh, credited uh, in in the opening titles. The Daleks were probably the most popular thing. The Daleks what cemented Doctor Who's success. It was originally intended as a way to tell adventure stories with an educational element. That was the idea. So you could travel in time, and space we could teach history and science and all this stuff and within within four episodes five episodes they were like like the daleks big evil robots <laughs> big sci-fi ideas and that's what made it popular that that, that 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 was the moment where people kind of paid attention to the show and then the the, the producers of these films also paid attention then they they loved what they saw and this is this film is almost a, di- a, a direct adaptation of the original Daleks' adventure, like more or less beat for beat. Uh, but they changed elements. They made, first of all, the Doctor is the Doctor. Doctor Who is a question. Whereas in the film, uh, they are Doctor Who. Uh, and they are definitely human and they live on Earth. Whereas we would later find out in the TV series that actually was from the planet Gallifrey and had two hearts and was very alien. And the, they abandoned that for the films. I'm trying to remember how much of that law had been established at that point. But I think, again, it was a case of let's just scrap because the, the films were intended for an international audience um, as much as they were for, for the audience. Uh, here in the UK. So 
they scrapped everything that would complicate it, just got on with telling the telling the, their version of this story. You know, we're talking about clones, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're comparing these two films, which are very similar in, in, in plot. You know, you could even multiply that and then compare it with the originals. Absolutely, yeah. Because much like your comic, they are based on those original episodes that yes. the BBC, the serials that they made. So um, it does, it would, that would make sense. But um, I don't know if I, <laughs> this was a very like last minute one because obviously. <laughs> I don't uh, have that. I, you I, know, don't, but, I don't think either of us have that time. Well, <laughs> well this is, this is when, you know, a story could go on for four, six, or even eight parts. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember what the longest. I want to say the War Games is, is longer than eight parts. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've, okay. since I've watched it. But yeah, so they, yeah, they they condense it into this film, and they they ditch any continuity that the audience or a new audience wouldn't need. Of course, yeah. Like, and it, and it does like it go the first film. Um, so we're going to compare. So Doctor Who and the Daleks from 1965 mm-hmm. and Daleks Invasion of Earth 2150 AD, I believe, is the title. Yes. Invasion Earth 2150 AD from the following year, 1966. So before we get into that first film, I should have done this uh, earlier, but we got we got into a, a we nice... We got into it. We just got, got into, into it. it. We got into it. So uh, I, will, I will do it now. So the reasons for comparison are that both films were produced by Amicus Productions. So we did cover Amicus very recently on the podcast, doing the Tales of the Crypt and the Vault of Horror with Dennis. And uh, however, it doesn't appear in the credits because it's co-financed and we'll also get into who it's co-financed <laughs> by. Um, both films were written by Milton Spotsky, again, of Amicus Productions, both produced by Sabotsky and Max F. Rosenberg, again, of Amicus Productions, both directed by Gordon Fleming. And both films feature the cinematography from John Wilcox, both filmed at Shepton Studios, both were, both were released a year apart. Both films star Peter Cushing as Doctor Who, and uh, Roberta Tovey as his granddaughter, Susan. Both films are based on previous Doctor Who television serials by Terry Nation and BBC, and both films are considered non-canon in the Doctor Who continuity. They are the never say never again Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> uh, just, just less terrible wigs, I think. <laughs> um, I, think, I think the wigs are, are pretty good in this, actually. <laughs> but anyway, yes, Doctor Who and the Daleks. So, did was there like you were saying they were condensed this this particular film? Did they did they alter the characters any in any way, um, or were they basically the same? Susan is younger in the film. Uh, more on that when we get into the second film. And Ian and Barbara in the in the film, Barbara is also related to Doctor Who. She, she also calls him Grandad. But they are both Susan's teachers in the serial, uh, in, the, in the original, and and they stumble across it because they can, they're considered about what what, what this, this kid is, is getting up to and seems to live in a junkyard. It turns out that that's where, where the TARDIS is, is uh, staying. I guess it kind of, it, it's kind of, they do very much simplify it, and it's very much you're off to the races yeah. in this. Oh, one. it cracks along at a fair old pace. It, there's, there's no, there's no messing about in this. Um, and actually, what I loved is that opening shot in the house to the point that I, I might even teach this to next time I'm teaching. And once one of my many jobs, I also teach at university, and which is why I sound tired. And <laughs> um, and 
it just uh, the the character beat in that opening shot is is superb of of Susan uh, or Susie as she is often referred to uh, reading the science book and Barbara is reading the science book and then we pull back and Doctor Who is reading a copy of Eagle comic. <laughs> yeah, which I love that. Is a brilliant character and and it actually nails who the who the character is. I don't necessarily know if it if it nails the tone of what Hartnell did with William Hartnell did with Doctor Who, but Cushing is a different Doctor. Uh, but it but it absolutely gets that tone. Certainly, of what would come later of yes, he loves science, but he loves big ideas, and it and he's fun and playful. Uh, I I thought I was just a lovely. You've told me everything I need to know about this family dynamic in one shot. It's just lovely. I, I agree. Uh, I, I I got a sense of that. And, and and as the Doctor was known, I believe the William Hartnell version was. He's a bit more irascible. He's a bit more grumpy. Um, yes. You know, didn't, there's didn't, a darker edge to him that that occasionally comes out of Cushing, but certainly in this first film, he's a bit more just of a bumbling old yeah doddering um, old fool kind of you know he's a bit oh, oh yes he's an eccentric yeah he's, he's an eccentric he's, he's an eccentric inventor scientist, scientist. Yeah. um and yeah and he's like oh yep yeah, oh, yep yeah, very good and when he's not talking science he's a bit awkward or a bit yeah. you know clumsy or not quite sure what's going on he's like like i love that bit where uh, roy castle of uh, record breakers mm-hmm. uh comes in with the flowers he gives them to the doctor and he goes oh these are lovely thank you yes. <laughs> he's like he's like no they're, they're, they're for uh, <laughs> for barbara <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, yes, of course, silly me. All, all, uh, all, all that stuff's great. And what's interesting is Ian in the interesting in the in the scene, he's kind of more like very much just the action hero. Whereas here he is more of a reluctant hero uh comic foil. Really, he he he's he's the comic relief of the ordinary bloke coming into this family who have been building a time machine in their back garden. And it's in, so it's Roy Castle in the first one, and then Bernard Cribbins plays a similar role in the second one. That's correct. And I was talking to my partner about them, and she was saying, well, they kind of played similar roles in the Carry On films as well. They were the, they could do the comedic pratfalling, but they were also capable of being the slightly dashing every man heroic lead when they were called upon to be. Um, so it's interesting as well, just comparing those performances. Oh, yeah. And it was, and uh, obviously uh, Bernard Cribbins came back to Doctor Who. Uh, yes, proper Doctor Who, official proper, Doctor Who. Proper official Doctor Who. Sorry, sorry. We'll make, make sure. Don't want to get anybody mad, um, you know, uh, as, uh, as, as uh, the Donna's uh, grandfather as well. And Anne was superb in it. Oh, oh yeah. That that scene where he cries is absolutely Oh, oh don't you you'll oh. set me off. I have a friend who like anything with sad old men, she's in bits. And so and I and on, on that occasion I was like, Yeah, I'm in bits too. Yeah, I'm definitely that, in bits. That reveal as well, the, the the four knocks. I mean I was about to say spoilers, but you've had almost yeah. 10, 10 years or more to, to yeah, watch absolutely. this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and even I was late to it. <laughs> like yeah. and I, I still know. <laughs> but that that build up where the doctor knew that the the four knocks four knocks, you know you're gonna die, you're gonna regenerate. The fact that it was Wilf trapped in the containment, oh, the nuclear—oh, that was just so heartbreaking! Oh God! <laughs> um, brilliantly, act- the two of them just brilliantly acted. It was a 
was great material, great actors. It was just brilliant drama. And I was really angry with my stepsister, uh, step, half, half, half sister, yes. I'm trying to remember how, how that works. Um, <laughs> we were watching it at my dad's house. It was on New Year's Day and she, she, she changed the channel. <laughs> What? And my dad, she, well, she sat on it. She sat on the. All oh, right, by mistake. Okay. By mistake. And my dad says he has never seen me move so fast. Wow. Before or since. <laughs> Luckily, it was before that scene, but it was. Uh... Anyway. Anyway. Um, back uh, to yeah. the film. Back to the film. Uh, so, so he comes in, they, they show, show off TARDIS, not the TARDIS. Yes, they keep referring to his TARDIS, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. They kind of again. They kind of don't really explain the police box thing um, either. No. But I I really did love how like there, there's parts of this particular the first film uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks where it did get very much like a Star Trek vibe. The early oh, Star yes. Trek. Oh yes, I, I yeah. I was making notes as I went, and I just wrote Star Trek TOS. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, especially with Star the, Trek vibes. When you see the Thals, uh, the the other group of uh, surviving on Planet Scaro, which they don't yeah. say is Planet Scaro, but they do say in the second film it was Planet Scaro, yeah. uh, which is the home of the Daleks uh, for those un- uninitiated. Um, but yeah, I got. I think it was just the color and everything that's popping, and it's got very obviously very sixties as well. Very sixties. Um, and I, I'm sure I, I don't know if it was Star Trek out at this point, and had it been out or yeah, Star, Star Trek and Doctor Who started around the same time um it's quite a busy old month (laughs) (laughs) uh, and and jfk got assassinated um so it was a and that's its own sci-fi story as its own (laughs) yeah i i really got a star trek vibe off off this huge huge yeah um and and i kind of love that it's kind of like they just again uh, they kind of just go, oh, well, Roy Castle is obviously the clumsy one. I was saying that the Doctor is clumsy, but actually it's the Roy yeah. Castle is clumsy, constantly falling into things, falling over stuff. Yeah, he, and, he gets a lot of wacky, wacky moments and yeah. some slightly sped up slapstick moments. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a bit. There's, some of it worked for me and some of it really, like, I was like, okay, not every not every scene needs this. You know, yes. not every scene needs him going well, falling over and into something. Uh, but it does it does seem to do that. But uh, yeah, we we they travel to the planet Scaro. It's not particularly said what time, and they they wake up in this. They well wake up. They open the door of the TARDIS, and uh, yeah, I was saying earlier that how I love the sixties. I love that how it's how it looks like it has been built by a by an eccentric scientist on the inside. It does look like it's very I, cheaply put together I was with wires really hanging disappointed oh with no the tard i loved it in the second one mm. but i i thought in the first one because it was so busy and there's wires everywhere exactly the problem i have with the current doctor's tardis is it just feels cramped it feels uh small yes i know it's obviously bigger than it is on the outside but sure. it, but it still feels Tight. I was tight, and and I and I was kind of hoping because I'd never actually seen this one before. I'd, I'd seen Invasion of, but I'd, I'd, I hadn't seen the the first one uh, until we we decided to do this. And the the reveal, I was kind of hoping if you if you're doing it on film, give me a bigger, you know, you could have they could they really could have played with that scope. Sure, absolutely, and and the scale of it. And then I was like, my. <laughs> And then suddenly I had this amazing what if, like, if that TARDIS 
if they'd got Ken Adams in, he, he, Ken Adams, he, he did the, the James Bond sets to design the film TARDIS. That would have been amazing. Mm. Uh, and there's a little bit of that kind of Adam-y kind of design in with the Daleks. I mean, the Dalek sets are quite big and there's a sense of scale there. But it's a shame that this first one didn't really ever feel like we... Uh, the, the, the whole film was clearly shot on, on a set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like um, this, even, there's a corridor on Scarrow which made me laugh because it's just literally the decoration for the hallway is just like metallic paper they've just hung up and they've, yeah. they've not even like like plastic like painted it on or plastered it on it's just it's literally they put a bit of like metallic foil on a hook and that's it, how they decorate the hallway i mean i love a good 4k restoration as anyone else but sometimes it does reveal <laughs> some <laughs> uh some of the cracks um Speaking of the 4K restoration, this we've timed this quite well because uh, Studio Canal are actually releasing both of these films, not only on 4K uh, Blu-ray, but they are also releasing them theatrically. So on the 10th of July, um, the BFI in London are going to show a double bill of both. Um, uh, so, uh, so yes, and with the with the guests as well. So uh, Roberta Tovey is coming and Jill Curzon from the second one. The assistant director, Anthony Wayne, is coming and director Gordon Fleming's son, Jason Fleming, will be there as well, So, which is really cool. And there's a book coming out in September, uh, the official story of the films, Doctor and the Daleks, by filmmaker John Walsh as well. So the, it's having these films are having a resurgence. So let's. I hope we're part of this wave <laughs> that's coming. <laughs> uh, I, I do think that they, they are... Fun. Fun, fun films. I, yeah, I was just, I was just a little bit disappointed with the TARDIS. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's fair. I will say the Daleks, I think, look brilliant. They but do. Yeah, they are so colourful as well, like so bright and and vibrant, mm-hmm. um, which kind of obviously offsets their kind of darker tone and their mutated inner bodies um, and and everything that that they represent as well. Because uh, like you were saying, like Doctor Who does have a lot of commentary in it. I know people complain about politics; it's all about politics now, but. Art is political, inherently political. Oh, Doctor, it, it's like someone has said, oh, I'll start watching Doctor Who after it got political. And someone replied, oh, was that after the policeman walked past the junkyard in the opening shot? <laughs> you mm. know, like the Daleks uh, were increasingly Nazi, fascist, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, allegories. There were later revelations about the, the, the Dalek, and ge- like Genes- Genesis of the Dalek, is a superb Tom Baker story. Um, and that's about genocide and you you find out more about the history of the Daleks and the Fowls and the Khaleds, which, you know, you could probably guess where that, if you can do anagrams, <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where that story went. I wonder. I wonder uh, who, who they might turn out to be. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, definitely, I can see that they're kind of um, presenting this strong, kind of mm-hmm. indestructible fascist shell. This image, even though on the inside they're these hateful, hideous beings. You know, it's 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 obvious to to anybody. You know, yeah. as, as the nose on your face. Um, and if you're if you're not seeing those allegories of the commentary, then um, if you are just watching it sci-fi, fair enough. But if you want to discuss things deeper and more intellectually, why well, not? Well. Peter Cushing's doctor even hints at that. He, he talks about, you know, why why do they want to destroy us? Because 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 
because they just they just hate and and that's what they want to do. It's a shame as well that Cushing in in either film doesn't get like a big speech as the Doctor. Yeah, I I, re- I mean that's the closest you get is where he's talking about them and he, and he's convincing yeah. these uh, he's convincing these pacifists to. Uh, basically commit genocide themselves in the end yeah well 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 to, to to join the fight and 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 the way he manipulates them is like okay fine take the girl we'll 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 sell her to the daleks and they'll give us what we need because no and they they fight he goes ah so you will fight for something that was very doctor and this idea of, of the doctor kind of weaponizes their companions and there's a mysteriousness to them which is very much lacking in in Cushing's take. Yeah. And I think because they've they've stripped so much of that mystery out of who he is. So to have that moment where there's a slightly more calculating, darker side, even though he's doing it for the best of intentions to, to prove a point, I wanted more of that throughout. Oh, definitely. I, I think so too. I think in a way, making him this this inventor does make him a bit more relatable on on mm-hmm. in some aspects but also i think it also strips the doctor of everything that's interesting about him as well unfortunately and i think i think uh peter cushing is lovely i think his portrayal in this film is good i think he works with i don't think he's given quite that much to work with but i think he does the best he can possibly do which is excellent because it's peter cushing and i i think I think there's a bit, you maybe see a bit more of that in the second film, a slightly more, I think the, the tone of the second film is a lot darker anyway, just because it's... Oh, the, the, the second film is, is, is much darker, yeah. Yeah, much more violent, much more action-packed as well. Um, but it doesn't have this kind of this kind of commentary that we're discussing now. Um, it's kind of a bit more like a straightforward action action yeah. story, I'd say. Um, and and I kind of did miss that in the second film, but then mm. this one kind of lacks that that action element, but does have the kind of the science what I would expect from a science fiction story. You know, because it's Star Trek. It's yeah. it's, it, it's the original series Star Trek. Here's here's a a world with a political allegory. East and West going to destroy each other uh, if they don't sort their act out. And let's just deal with the problem through talking. And when that doesn't work, okay, we'll have a bit of a fight. What was interesting to me, because I, I was, was the Daleks themselves, which I, I agree, I think they look fa- fabulous. And, and Moffat tried to do colourful Daleks and fans hated them. I actually thought they were great. I thought they looked great. People are like, oh, we don't like this. It's a bit too much like that Peter Cushing film. What was interesting was for the film, they didn't have lasers. They didn't have ray guns. They had like the fire, the, the fire extinguisher effect. And I was reading, apparently they wanted fire flamethrowers to come out. And but, but that's a bit too scary for children. So we'll go completely the other way and go with fire extinguishers. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, because they, they realised they needed something visual for you to see what they were doing. But I do like when, when they just crowd around someone and they just cover someone in, in, in that kind of smoke. That's really nice and really effective. Yeah, I think you get a lot more of that in the... I think you see it when they, they set the traps of the Thals. I, I quite I quite like... I, I don't know about the designs for the Thals. Um, Again, it's very Star Trek. Yeah, series. I was, I, I was like... Paint, paint, yeah. paint, blonde wig, <laughs> laughing. 
and they're also described as giants. And I'm like, they're about six foot, maybe. If yes, that. yeah. <laughs> and um, but I quite like, you know, I like the the idea. You know, I, I love that line where he goes, you know. Uh, the Daleks said you were monsters, and they're like, if they think we're monsters, you know, what must they look like? You know, I, I love that kind That's of. That's the best line in the whole film. Oh, it, it agreed, yeah. agreed. I think that it, it's very telling to what Doctor Who is. Mm-hmm. And part part of my issue with the film as well was that um, you know Doctor Who's like, you've got to fight, you've got to fight, you've got to win this world back, and I'm like, I mean, it's not much left. It's this, this <laughs> nuclear wasteland. <laughs> I mean, apart from the Dalek city, which seems you know nice enough, you know, with its well, metallic they, they, paper. they seem to be able to grow some food. But again, again, that's the problem with with Doctor Who, right? Is is he's fixing they fix the immediate problem, then they leave. Yeah. <laughs> <hours>. In a bit. <laughs> See and well, oh, oh, the ending of this film, where it is literally, goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, here's, goodbye. Here's, a, here's a lovely cape. Off you goodbye. go. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. That's goodbye. Well <laughs> we had, we've had our fun. Well, what I did, what I did like... It's the low-key ending. <laughs> it really is. I, I do quite I do quite like the kind of next adventure tease that they have at the end. That's, that was fun. That was a fun little nod. like a, Well, not nod, but like, a, you know, they go back to the, ancient Rome and all the yeah. centurions are running at them. I thought that was fun. But I kind of, it made me kind of wish that they'd done more with Cushing's Doctor where they just weren't doing the Dalek thing. They did original stories. And, you know, there's so many great what ifs. Because I think that team, that, that TARDIS crew had real potential as, as a set of companions to go, you know, you had this, this burgeoning romance between uh, Ian and Barbara. You had uh, Susan uh, with her granddad. And there's great dynamic between them where she's almost, if not smarter than he is in, in, in many ways, um, certainly savvier than he is. And yeah, I kind of wish that they'd done more original stories. And yeah. could have had more of that darkness and gone more into that, lent into more that hammer horror vibe. Yeah, that amicus. That amicus. And I that think amicus, maybe, yeah. maybe that might be why Amicus didn't put their name on it, because I think they might have thought, oh, it's going to be anthology horror or it's going to be horror or something related to that. And maybe they wanted to kind of step away. You know, like Disney has in America, they have Hulu and they put a lot of the adult stuff on Hulu, but the kids yes. stuff is for Disney. With over here, obviously, it's, it, we it's just all, get we, yeah, we get Star and we get, we get we get Pam and Tommy's talking penises and we get, and we get Bambi. You know, we get the we get a nice mix of. of, of cultures and, and content um because that's that's what we do here in england but um but yeah no I, I agree and i i think there is definitely i think what you were saying earlier about the influence of these films on on later interpretations mm-hmm. of the doctor and and certainly companions as well like um you know uh, further down the line the kind of you know there's there, there, a lot of the time there is like a kind of a simple bloke as a companion isn't there like a like an average kind of not not like unintelligent but kind of just yeah. like a, a you know a bit clumsier a bit but you need you need your everyman character yeah. who's the the viewpoint of you know your, your way in. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the the canonicity, and I, we've talked about it on this show before. How sometimes canon is a is a yardstick for quality, which I don't think is fair. Sometimes. I don't think it's fair. No, and and this is not considered canon. But I was reading up on the attempts to attempt to make it canon, which sounded really interesting. I don't know if you wanted to tell us about some of those. Well, I've not actually read up on that. I know you sent me a link, but hmm. I, I was watching the film. 
it's okay. Don't worry. All right, I can I can tell you, you some you, of them. You, I can you, tell you no, some of them. I, yeah. I'm fascinated. So so one of them, um, there's a couple of, of the Moffat's ideas were that it was a fictional take within the Doctor's world of his adventure. So his original adventure with the Daleks, someone decided to write about it or to sell their story. And then, and then obviously it's gone through the Hollywood machine mm-hmm. and it's come out as this. So it's not, obviously he's not from Gallifrey, he's not the Doctor, it's Doctor Who, it's TARDIS. They've like, they've gone, yeah, we'll have that, that'll do. And obviously a bit of creative license, this film has been made, these films have been made. Um, again, they are based on previous adventures the Doctor has had. And there's some interpretations where they realise that they are fictional characters, uh, Susan and the Doctor. And there's a there's a, a particularly bloody... This is all on like the TARDIS wiki so that I've mm-hmm. been reading. And there's one where Susan... So, so the, the Doctor Who in this, Peter Cushing, had a former acting role where he had a hammer and a stake... <laughs> and 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 uh, and Roberta Tovey, Susan is coming out of the fictional, you know, script because the villain of the piece is the scriptwriter, and she and she puts a stake through the scriptwriter's heart. Um, there's there's also there was also going to be a reference in I think it was the when they're in the Black Archive is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, that there was going to be oh it's you know the, there's a reference to something but they wanted to get the rights for the posters for those films to reference that the Doctor's adventures had been recorded um, but yeah there's been a lot of different uh, read up on it there's more but those are the ones that come to mind immediately <laughs> there's lots of kind of little bits again not technically canon but there has been attempts and ideas to to bridge those those two disparate elements from the canon into the non-canon and the and the canon connecting in those ways so they some of them are a bit wacky and a bit weird yeah. and, and i think there's a few like prose novels or short stories or comics which also feature a version or yes some something that looks like you know a peter cushing's version of doctor who uh, well it's interesting because canon Ah, uh, canon. I think in some franchises it really matters and some franchises it really doesn't. And I think you you, you pick and you choose. And like with, with, with Star Wars, I, I remember when they scrapped the old uh, canon. Which you and I are quite, you know, partial to. I used to love those, you know, still comics. A big fa- you know, still yeah. a big fan. You know, you all rest those X-Wing novels, the <laughs> out of, you know, the Aaron Alston, uh, Mike Stack- Stackpole X-Wing novels and comics out of my cold, dead hands. Um, and I, I was initially quite annoyed, but then I realised it made absolute sense. If you're bringing back the films, you know, f- for a wider audience, most people you know, won't have written, won't have read all of the new Jedi Order books. So all 20 of them that explain why Chewbacca died, saving Han and Leia's three children, uh, two of which went evil. You know, there was so much canon and content. They, they, they couldn't, you know, they'd already had Dark Empire and and what else. So I, it was absolutely the right choice to to reboot it. And I, and I think uh, now they, they have a much tighter canon as opposed to having to try and fix things that weren't always intended to be part. You know, you'd had the Marvel comics, which contradicted what Kate, what Dark Horse did. There, there, there was already so much stuff that people had to try and fix. And it's the same with Doctor Who, where people hadn't intended some stuff to be canon because it hadn't occurred to them. It hadn't really occurred to them later, 40, 50, 60 years later, people were going to care. <laughs> <laughs> about these details because they, they they at the time they were just writing a good story they were just writing a good story 
And that canon was growing as it went. And some script editors and producers really cared about that. And some did not. And, you know, unit, like the Google, the unit dating controversy where certain stories that happened, they either happened in the sixties or the eighties or, or in what order. And like, they jump about in time. It doesn't make sense. And it's almost like, it doesn't really matter. Um, I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to talk about the the dating lives of of the people no, in no. unit. I thought there was a controversy there. I, uh, like a, I mean, that, that a, may a heavy well love, be love triangle or something. That may well be uh, a, a spin off down the line. But um, <laughs> you know, and, and he, like even even my my comic is not part of the official canon. It's part of the worlds of Doctor Who, and uh, there's people who love it and read it. It's written that it's not going to contradict anything. And as soon as the first issue came out, they, for the trailer for the Blu-ray box set, they did a little kind of thing that had a bit of a follow-up on Paradise Towers that completely contradicted everything I'd written. And yeah, I just kind of accepted that. I went, okay, cool. Luckily, the Doctor has a time machine, and there's fixed points in time, and there's points in time that are fluid. So in the Doctor Who, like the, the Doctor Who has been creating and traveling through multiverses before multiverses were cool. And it's all canon. So it's all canon and it isn't canon. And it's contradictory and it's not contradictory. And it matters or it doesn't matter. And it's up to you um, how you feel about that and, and, and what you want from it and what you want it to be. It, stuff will be overwritten or contradicted later but does it matter i mean like the doctor's met shakespeare for the first time loads of times and he's met mary Sh like um jodie whittaker had an adventure where she met mary shelley but paul mcgann's audio adventures mary shelley had been a companion of the doctor for three stories and and i like the eighth doctor had they'd done the tv movie that hadn't gone any further but the audio adventures continued the adventures of Paul McGann. The Doctor Who magazine comic strip was doing their own stories and the BBC books were doing their own stories. You know, the, and the BBC books, and so much of this individually, like they, they, they've they taken bits from the, to form the new TV canon. But it all contradicts itself. Like the, yeah. the, the novels had a time war before there was a time war. They had, um, the only thing that they didn't do was the comic was originally going to end with, McGann um, regenerating and they had got they got the sign off I think from Russell T Davis that we want to we want to show that thing. and then and they even drew the page it's 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 in the back of one of the uh, collections and then they realized chances are something's going to come along and contradict that later which it did <laughs> definitely which it did for for uh, before they did Day of the Doctor, they did the Night of the Doctor that showed McGann regenerate into John Hurt's War Master. He didn't even uh, War Doctor. He didn't even regenerate into Eccleston. So so they decided not to do that because why tie yourself down to that moment? Probably is going to get contradicted later. So yeah, canon it matters and it doesn't. Yeah. And if, if the story matters to you, if you like the story, it can be canon to you. Yeah. If you don't, doesn't have to be. Whatever. It, it's your and bag. I, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I call this the never say never again of of <laughs> Doctor Who. And you know, there will be people who love 
Never Say Never Again. They probably in, like Never Say Never Again more than they like Thunderball. It's the same film. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it genuinely is. I mean, that's a whole other rights issue. And we'll talk about that's a whole other podcast if you've not done that already. That is. I, I have not. I have not. But that would be interesting. I've not done any James Bond as of yet. Oh, so. well, I will <laughs> uh, put myself forward for that discussion. Um, uh, well, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like we were saying, you know, someone's comic is their first comic, and maybe that was someone's first James Bond film, and then it was oh, these these other Bond films, and the and the Bond films again didn't have great continuity really because they were more standalone, um, and then you have this kind of sliding timeline in the same way that the Marvel universe has a sliding timeline. That's why Peter Parker's been thirty odd for the last. 20 years because because you can't age i can't even remember what my point was i think my point was canon just canon it's canon it, it's all <laughs> canon. it's all good it's all good anyway all let's good. let's move on uh again we've we've gone on another massive tangent but let's talk about you can't the- <laughs> talk canon and not have a massive true now that is you true. know there will be people listening to this really angry <laughs> with what I've just said. <laughs> no, it does matter. It all matters, except for that bit I don't like. And, you yes. know, it, you know that's... It, it's just love what you love and and enjoy it. Yeah, and absolutely. If you, and if, you, if, it all, if it all fits and all ties together, fantastic. But, but just enjoy a good story for a good story. Yeah. I mean, there's been multiple Batman origins now. Like, year one is still held as the the ultimate Batman origin story, but I quite like Zero Year as a Batman origin story, and there's been others. So it's fine. You can like both. You can like neither. You can like all of it, whatever. If you like it, you like it. Uh, Anyway. Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, Oh, yeah. Now, speaking of an origin story, my Christ, that is a good one. Uh, Yeah, you know, whatever, whichever one you pick or whichever is your definitive version, fair play to you. You know, I am sick of seeing who's the best Batman and who's the best Joker and who's the best Spider-Man online. I could do without seeing that for the rest of my life um, because they're all good in their own little ways. Anyway, let's move on to the sequel, um, Mm. which doesn't even have Doctor Who's name in the the title because this was in the midst of Dalek mania at the time. So Daleks had their own comics and spin-offs and, yeah. Yeah, so much. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about this one as well? So, so we've uh, we've solved Planet Scaro. They've managed yep. to destroy. Goodbye. This, this, goodbye. 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 <laughs> goodbye. Um, and the the Doctor's so kind of oddly passive in that first one. In, in the end, which is why I I definitely liked the second one. That the the Doctor is more active in this, apart from like the. 20 odd minutes but it does kind of disappear i think but, there was there was a lot of problems on this one on set there was a lot of accidents mm. so there was a uh, one of the stunt men he did that fall from the building through the onto the, the rubble uh, onto the rubble he broke broke his ankle the dalek that gets thrown down the the ramp mm. uh, the actor in there caught on fire um i think so, uh, the actor that punched here punched a brick through the windscreen he broke his wrist right. and on top of that peter cushing was quite ill during so yeah. he had to uh, he had limited screen time um, yes but yes yeah, so apart from those problems uh we we open with a very it felt like an amicus film because it, mm. it had like the the classic you know like dun, 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 you know and it's it's a it's a bank robbery <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Op- Again, it's another great opening gag where Bernard Cribbins' police officer is 
attacked by a getaway driver and uh, sees a bank robbery, dazed, confused, sees a police box, goes in, and it's the TARDIS, collapses, cut to credits. I mean, that's great, cold open. I mean, that's really nice. And it's a nicer TARDIS. It's, it's, it's a bit more sci-fi. It's a bit more swanky and and shiny and, and polished. And I much preferred this TARDIS. And yeah, again, it's another suit that just gets on with it. And and oh oh, sorry, lad, we've we've gone in time now. Uh, we're, we're, I love that reveal as well. They just oh well, well, just step outside, and it's just desolate. And this film really benefits, I think. The the first the first one feels like it's a set. I mean, the 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 jungle set, the petrified forest is really nice. You know, the Dalek city is nice. There's a sense of some scale there's that when they're climbing the mountain, there, there's a good, that, that, the, the, the map painting on that. Oh, yeah. I is, love is, that. But that's the, like the only real sense of scale in that whole film is, oh, brilliant, big, expansive. Yeah, let me see that. Let me see the Dalek city in full. Let me see the, the scope of this. And, and the first one felt, it was a film, but still kind of a TV budget. This second one feels like a film. It feels like a bigger budget thing. There's more pyrotechnics. There's more stunts. It definitely had a bigger budget. Um, the <coughs> Am- Amicus teamed up with Sugar Puffs, no less. Yes, I noticed. <laughs> I noticed. I even wrote down, it was fascinating that when they go to the future, the, there's this poster that survives on the wall for Sugar Puffs. I was like, okay, it's good to know that in 2150, we're all still eating sugar puffs. <laughs> um, I didn't realise that they... they co- yeah, they, they co-financed... Oh, they- but, the, but sugar puffs had done a Doctor Who tie... They, they'd That's done right. The... the um, it was a the competition. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was due to this film. So they, that, that was where Amicus uh, got that budget and got that... Uh, for the film and were able to to make it a bigger kind of more expansive more action-packed um you know and they had the model uh, ufo and stuff yeah. spaceship and yeah so so that that was part in part due to to sugar puffs directly and <laughs> and this was the one of the earliest examples of product placement and it's fairly blatant in a lot of the scenes like in the warehouse where they find the first dead mm-hmm. robot man uh he falls out i don't know how he killed him and then Put loads of boxes in front of him, and then and then they they walk past him. And he just falls over, but they're in the <laughs> behind that guy's head again. You can see a box of sugar puffs. So um, even even after all these you know apocalypse, and they've been bombarded with meteorites and cosmic rays <laughs> and all this stuff, that the sugar puffs have survived the apocalypse. So to speak. well, they they are you know tasty and uh, nutritious and. Uh, very, very full. Is, is Sugar Puffs? Do we get any, are, we, yeah, are, we, are we getting are we, any money off them? I, I don't believe so. But I mean, I can try. I'll, I'll speak to them. But yeah, hey, Sugar Puffs are great. To take to, to have them or lots. Sugar Puffs will help you in you survive an alien invasion. <laughs> eat Sugar Puffs today. If you eat enough Sugar Puffs, you'll look like a Dalek on the inside. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, we've we've probably and oh. 
probably scuppered that now. Yeah, actually, no, no, maybe maybe we have now. Oh, well. Oh, well, I'll, I'll get another uh, sponsor. Nah. I'll figure yeah, it out. I'll done. figure it out. It's I'll fun. figure it out. Sponsors are uh, hard to come by, but I'll, I'll figure something out. But yes, um, and and they don't really, Doctor doesn't really explain why they, they go. And, and now they're with another assistant. So we've lost Roy Castle and his partner and the, yes. the other granddaughter. But, but Su- Su- Susan's still there. And, and this is what I was referring to. So in the, in the original serial, Susan's a little older. She actually leaves with one of the rebels in the TV series. It, oh, was, okay. it was actually the first time that a uh, a main cast member had left the show, and the Doctor uh, has this wonderful speech, um, which was then used again in various uh, specials. Ways you said you would go out into the world and and and, and prove me right that there's great adventure, and I wish I could. Re- I wasn't paraphrasing it badly. It's a superb speech. Yeah. And um, so it's a shame that, that they obviously they couldn't have this very small child go off with that big old bloke. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would say that would I be. I mean, even by 60s standards, that's, you know, they, they weren't going to do that. Uh, so they had to lose that. And I think that kind of it loses a little bit of that thing that, again, Cushing, I think, would have, if you've given Cushing a great speech. Yeah. His doctor, he'd have nailed that with his doctor. And yes, he is in it less. He has less screen time in, in, in this one. And Cribbins uh, actually has, I think, the, the majority of the screen time. But when they do use Cushing, they use him well. You know, he, he, is, he is better served, I think, by the third, certainly the third act of this film. He is more active, uh, actively involved in, in what happens. That, that's definitely better in, in, in this one. Yeah, he kind of figures out. So the 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 idea that the Daleks have invaded because they want to get to the metallic core of the Earth was that right? I think something yes. like that. Yeah. And they're going to use a neutron bomb to stop, the, or a magnetic bomb, or something. Go. It, and... It's another. We've got to stop a like they they both have very yeah. similar third acts, which is stop the bomb. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Whilst everyone has a big fight, pushing some Daleks around. Yeah. Um, Pushing them downstairs and pushing them over. I, I, I love how violent, you know, obviously we're like robot characters in in things like the X-Men, the animated series. Obviously mm-hmm. Wolverine can use his claws on a robot. So, but not like, on a person. But not on a person. So so it was quite it was quite interesting to see how, how quite violent they were towards the Daleks. Um, and I was like, I was like, yeah, but I quite enjoy it. It's kind of like, yeah, sure, they're these metallic things. So there's not just a better sense of scale which benefits from shooting on if not location certainly the Shepton back lot yeah and and that ex- if there's loads of exteriors the action is better there's because I I hadn't like I said I hadn't seen the original I hadn't seen uh, Doctor in the Daleks but I had seen this before and I saw it as a kid and even as a kid I, I kind of inherently knew this wasn't "Quote unquote proper doctor." I, I knew that there was there was something off about it, but the Daleks were still scary, and the stunt team really put their all into their death screams in this film. They are quite, you know, as a kid, I remember just oh, there's just lots of people dying and, sc- ah! <laughs> um, and screaming, and um, there's better cinematography in this one, I think. Um, like the first one is all just kind of like lots of high key, light the whole set. Whereas this one. There's some wonderful stuff when they're in the mine shaft and the lights are coming up and down. The the action, Gordon Fleming's direction is is more confident and like the bit where the, the truck is driving through the Daleks and just yeah. ramming them. Is, that's great. And it's cut 
the editing's really nicely paced. The camera works more dynamic. Um, I love the bit where um, they're, they're throwing these bombs yes. and, and they're trying to get away with the leader of the resistance, uh, who's, who, which I quite love that he was in a wheelchair. I thought that was mm-hmm. really cool and, and, and great kind of representation because it, it's something you, you probably wouldn't have seen in a 60s film, like somebody who is, has a disability like that. And, and he goes and sacrifices himself. And I love that he just brings the building down on himself and, and the Daleks. That looked fantastic. Um, I think making it, obviously based on earth i think was um it, it kind of adds to a bit more kind of realism because again we're not looking at kind of painted faces and stuff and and it doesn't necessarily have to be a set or a i mean i mean obviously parts of this are a set but i think it kind of blends in with the kind of natural kind of london mm. you know uh, location that they were trying to do and and again you don't have to worry you can and there was so many people so many cast members just get absolutely obliterated by the Daleks as well. Like it was like, I was, I found it like it was shocking in a good way. I was like, this is for kids. And there's just like mass, you know, killing of all the, like the, the there's only like one resistance guy and Susan, and then the assistants that kind of survive in there. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Those original uh, resistance people It's yeah, they just get massacred. And they're throwing knives at the robot men and stuff. And, and I, I, yes. quite, I quite enjoyed the, the robot men as a, as a kind of concept. I, I, some of the some of the stuff was weird though. They, 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 the the I, I quite like that they were split into three different groups. So they had three. That's different that's different. very classic Doctor Who. Is yeah. you've got the you've got the team, then split them off into different stories. Yeah, yeah and I, I like I like where they meet the the Susan and the the Resistance fighter meet a couple of people that are like you're like oh yeah we'll help you with we'll assist you but they actually betray them to the Daleks and then mm-hmm. the Doctor's trying to figure out what the mine is about and then Bernard Cribbings is in disguise as the robot man which is one of my favorite segments is him trying to fit in with the robot men in with yes yeah syn- this synchronized movements. comedy routine yeah that that i that i got a lot out of because there wasn't as much of that yeah. in his character I mean, obviously he falls out the door and things but it, it, he was obviously it was a bit more um i think what you were saying about the original uh roy castle's role in that in the original actor the way he it's played more slapstick it. yeah. yeah so so this one was a bit more kind of straight laced with a little bit of slapstick as well so i think yeah. there was there was something to that i could believe he was a bobby you know yeah, that's it. Making him a copper instead of a bloke off the street gives him a capability that Ian doesn't have in the first film. So yes, he like even that that thing with the door. It's maybe played as a laugh, but actually it would be just a very genuine. Oh, half the buildings. You know, it's a nice reveal. Yeah, it's 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 gorgeous. Like you were saying, the matte paintings work really well on this and. Um, yeah, I think I think I, th- I agree with with all those those points made about the cinematography, the shots, uh, the action. Um, again, like like I said earlier, I like I could have I could have done with a bit more kind of you know I don't know maybe social commentary, a bit more to think about. Um, you know, not that I, I I love the action, I love the adventure mm. aspects, but I thought maybe there could be a bit more like you know. Uh, you know, the, maybe there was a reason that the Daleks attacked, like we, you know, I don't know, got rid of nuclear bombs or something. I don't know, like some some sort of like political allegory that could yeah, have gone what, underneath. What, what's this about? Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we we know it's about Daleks, and and but what's it about? Yeah, what's you the know, what, subtext? What's the subtext? yeah? And and I do wonder if if more of that was meant to be with Cushing. 
and after they had to use him. Yeah, maybe because he because he was. Yeah, that could could be the case because that's usually what what the doctor mm. does. Those kind of things he they they come out of his mouth in in most cases. Uh, that from what I've seen anyway. But yeah, maybe that. I mean, was the was there more of a kind of subtext in the original serial for this one? Or I'm trying I'm trying to remember. Um, I'm trying to remember how much of it survives. Um, I, I mean, again, they are still. I mean, well, there is allegory there, but I think it's never really just uh, explicit. Explicit, yeah. Because because the Daleks are still fascists. Yeah, <laughs> they're still putting people in concentration camps. It 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 is post war. You know, th- this is not. This is, you know, these desolate, destroyed cities. Um, very, very, very. There's a lot of blitz imagery, isn't there? There's a lot of blitz imagery, and obviously at the time that would have been still very uh, relevant two people um it's interesting like how many people betray them so you have your resistance and then you have the people who sell them out you've got the those nazi sympathizers you've got the two women in in the hut you kind of get why like the older one betrays them which is for the food whereas the other one is just nasty yeah (laughs) and i need to ask Stephen if if they in any way inspired a couple of characters in the original paradise towers oh okay Um, there's these uh, cannibal old ladies who are very nice to you, but you can't really. They're just trying to find you up. I, I suddenly thought, oh, I wonder if there's any of, if, of those characters in this. I mean, they're, they're, maybe there's not. And then you've got the guy who's like the the black market guy. Yeah, kind of con man esque sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, he's just yeah. a full on sociopath the whole time. And he gets a brilliant death. You know, he's like, oh, oh yeah. And, the, you know, they just surround the shed and they just blow it up. It was great. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I think there is a lot of post-war allegory in this, but it, it just lacks that um, look at what hatred has done. Look at what what will happen if we let... Yeah, almost like we were too busy warring with each other that we didn't know that we couldn't, you know, defend ourselves against this threat or the very, yeah. very kind of watchman, the watchman idea, like, oh, yeah. there's these invaders and we've got to team up. You know, uh, if, again, spoilers for Watchmen if you've not read or seen Watchmen. You, again, last... you, you've had, you've had, you've had time. You've had um... years. You've had years and years and years. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think gen- generally, there's there was a bit more. I don't, I, yeah, I, like I think again, like that's that's the key difference between the two for me. Um, I both I enjoyed both of these films. Um, mm. I enjoyed again. They're not the Doctor as we know him, but I got a lot of joy out of them. They're they're very kitsch. They're very over the time. You know, they're very sixties, and and you can see that, and and that comes through. And I think one of them ages better than the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I think there is something to be said there. But I think I think generally I think you should watch them and you should maybe if you can grab the Studio Canal releases that will be out in July uh, or go to the BFI screening um, by uh, with all the guests and stuff and and hear all them speak about all their experiences that we've probably already mentioned as as well. Would you, Sean? Do you feel ready to compare the two films directly? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I am. I think we're warmed up. I think we're ready. I think we're ready. 
Um, yeah, these films, by the way, are available to rent or buy on iTunes, Amazon, uh, YouTube as well. So they are readily available if you want to get them. I rented them on iTunes myself. Um, so yeah, go out and do that because they are they are a lot of fun. And I think if you're if you were of that age when the Daleks were a big thing, or if you just like Doctor Who in general and you want to see this kind of these curios and these cult, because they are just, kind of yeah, they're the curios. Or just if you're a sci-fi fan, or, or particularly a British sci-fi fan. You know, they are good adventures and they're good romps. And if you are able to divorce yourself from these 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 chains of uh continuity, they are great stories and um I, I think they are worth checking out. And there's, there's some funny bits and there's some some quite yeah. shocking bits. And- I think it's a it's a good mix of everything you would want from something mm. a science fiction film of that era as well. They're a great yeah. double bill. Absolutely, I hundred percent watch them back to back. They're only here's another reason for comparison as well. They're exact, almost exactly the same length as well, hundred and twenty, hundred and nineteen minutes. So, and yeah. again, like like me and Sean were saying, they go at a brisk pace. It doesn't feel like hundred and twenty minutes, or you know, seventy minutes, whatever it is. Uh, you know, just go go crazy, have a have a fun time. You know, get your family around. They're very, you know, they're, they're still appropriate. You know, to some degree, I'd say for for kids to to a degree. There is a lot of action and sometimes violence. Again, watch it before. That's what parents should do. They watch the film before <laughs> and then judge it. And then then if you want to show it, but uh, because I wouldn't say they were any more violent or scary than the actual original serial. No, probably was. not. Probably not. But um, yeah, it's still they were still made for kids, and I think there's nothing. You know, a lot of these films I go back and watch, and I'm going, "Oh, that's really problematic," you know. But luckily, with these, I I didn't spot or nothing came up where I'm like, "That's very very problematic." Um, Other than just like like Barbara in the first film is kind of a bit wet, and she's not really getting sure. anything to do. Sure, yeah, but... and as well, it's the same, I think the, the both female characters, apart from Susan, yeah. is are, are underwritten. I agree. Right. No, I I do agree with that. I, but and again, that's kind of again you've got to you've got to be aware of the culture at the time and what it was like. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's probably the main. But they are, the, but they are smart characters. You know, they're, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're just not given anything to do. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, they they are they are. And and again, they're, they're both quality kind of actors as well. Like they yeah. they give a lot to the roles. And again. You know, and even Peter Cushing to some degree is not given that much to work with either. Um, so I, I will say that. But I think I think everybody's doing a great job. And you know, Roy Castle and Bernard Cribbings and and everybody's you know uh, on par. So uh, spe- speaking of that, let's move on to the comparison. So the first category we have to discuss is writing. So which film was better written? Do you think? Well, that's the thing. I like we said. I think the first one as a drama, has some more interesting things to say. But I think the second one is more naturally funny. I think the the tension's better. I mean, there's that wonderful scene where Susan has left the message for the Doctor, uh, but it's on <laughs> yeah. the door and he doesn't see it. I, I mean, that's, that's one of... Um, oh, the automatic, so the sliding automatic door. The sliding door, so when they come in, they're, they're not going to see it. And he do, he do, the, the other guy, though, does literally look at the door look, for that yeah, entire scene. Yeah. I was like, I was like, how can you not see that? It's massive granddad or grandpa, yeah. grandfather writing in white chalk on that dark green door. How do you not see that? But that's not a writing problem. No, no, it's, a, it's more of a staging. But he shouldn't have been looking yeah. that direction. He shouldn't. If he, was, yeah. if he was facing the camera, I would get it. But yeah, again, yeah. you know, and if they all just suddenly turned, if they backed up, up yeah. to the door and then turned around or something like that. But yeah, I agree. Um, 
but yeah, there was some real, there's some real comedic moments. But yeah, like we were saying, it, it, I think it's that those those two ideas the more the more of the drama and the more of the action film is the yeah I, I I think if there was a film that married those halves up you'd have a superb movie as opposed to just two good very good ones so which one I I think that one might be a draw yeah for different reasons I like yeah. both for different reasons yeah I, I think I, I think I'd have to agree I think that's the Again, what I like about one of them is not what I like about the other one. So it's kind of yeah, I, I, it's and it, they're not again written by the same guy as well. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, I said that. I actually think. <laughs> no, first, I, I think the second one just ekes it out. Just in case, just in terms of the Doctor is more active in the third act, mm. the storylines come together more naturally. Yeah, yeah, and. There's that payoff. There's the cold open with the thing, and then it's paid off at the end where they where they drop Bird and Crimson. Yeah, that is nice. That, moment. that is actually really nice. Yeah, he's like, you're going to drop me off just before the the criminals, the villains, I think yeah. he describes them as the villains do it, um, and he gets that win. I like that. It's a very and he's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to so be. I, I think it's a better, more complete. Yeah. Film. Yeah, I, I I'll agree with you. I, I think. Again, I think I enjoy, I enjoyed again. I like that it splits off. I like the different adventures and we cut between them and and that they're doing different things. And again, there's there's one that's a bit more dark and serious. Uh, there's another one that's kind of more like the scientific things and mm-hmm. figuring stuff out and the uh, detective work. And then there's one that's kind of just you know pure comedy. Um, yeah. So I and I, and again they come together and they all they all there's a purpose for all of those stories to come mm. together. And, and those characters do have a reason for being there and for doing those things. Um, I did think, mm. I did think it was quite convenient that Susan was like, well, I imagine, I imagine my grandfather wouldn't have gone there anyway. He would have gone mm. just straight to the mine. So I don't know why I said we'll meet him there. So it was kind of like, Oh, that whole idea that they'll never meet up and they'll never see each other again. They were just like, Oh, we'll just, yeah, whatever. We're just going to go straight here anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also a good character thing for her to go. Well, well, if there's lots of Daleks, Grandad wouldn't go there. Yeah, go here, and it, it shows how smart she is. True. Yeah. True. There, there is that. Um, that I will say this. There, I think with a lot of the Doctor Who stories, there is that. Like, there is that thing. Like, why doesn't he just leave? Like, why doesn't he just go? Why doesn't he just? You know, he could leave at any point. And and uh, I, I, I think well, yeah and, and the ending of the second one kind of does that it, it, yeah. there's like this unwritten rule in Doctor Who where you don't use the TARDIS to cheat yeah, you don't sure. go back you could you could just go back earlier like yeah. the Doctor could just go and stop he could say oh by the way the Daleks could invent they're going to wipe out X amount of people on Earth but he doesn't not concerned with that he's just yeah. concerned with doing the right thing doing the right thing yeah. then yeah it's but the, then it's he the takes moral Cribbins obligation. back yeah. And then he takes Cribbins back, and he he doesn't just step on a butterfly. He he just runs over with a lawnmower and <laughs> and stops this this robbery from happening. I think I think I did read when he does that. Some someone's in the canon, like trying to fit the canon in. They're like, oh, he created a separate timeline. It was a divergent timeline or something. <laughs> so so it's it's within the Doctor universe, but it's a, a divergent well, one. This is something I love. Uh, again, this is a tangent, but this was something I. Lo- uh, I love about uh, the time vortex in Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who's when you see that it's this this kind of murky time vortex, and then they go into these kind of large cavernous spaces where there's all these branching tunnels that the TARDIS can come down. And I I like this multiverse idea of Doctor Who. Of whenever they enter one of these large spaces, that is a moment in time 
that any of these things are possible futures. And the doctor decides to visit that one today. Mm. That's where the TARDIS is going. So it is a multi. It's why you can have my Paradise Towers comic and also have the little thing that the BBC did that contradicted it. And you, it's all split off in time. It's either a fixed point or it's not. And, you know, ca- canon continuity, that, yeah. that's how it works in Doctor Who. And uh, that's what makes it fun. I, I like that though. I like I love I love the idea of kind of multiverses and different timelines and stuff. I've always been fascinated by that and that that idea. And I I think you know the the possibilities are endless and the possibilities mm. for t- storytelling are endless. And I think so they should be. So we shouldn't be locked down into this yeah. this this is canon. So this is the only way and this yeah. is the only thing. And and so so both I think the to, to go back to what you say is it, mm. yeah, basically the Doctor is constantly making. Divergent timelines. Oh, constantly, yeah, sure. As he's soon a, as the TARDIS lands, it's anything yeah. can happen. Well, like we were saying, like he's a bit chaotic, a bit reckless, and you know, and I, I like I like that part of mm. that character as well, that idea. Um, that he is a an instrument and an instigator of change, and you know, this is this is what should happen, this is right, and this is what's going to happen, and we're gonna make it that way, or I'm gonna help you do that. I'm gonna fix this, I'm gonna cure this ailment of the universe um but yeah no i think i do agree i think the second one does have uh script wise and plot wise i think it it's tight tie- it's, it's a bit tighter. yeah it's tighter and it ties better together at the end like you said i think i think the finale is a bit more uh, engaging and exciting as well um again all the action sequences and stuff that we'll talk about in a moment uh but yeah no i i agree i, I think it's it was a tough one but i think yeah no i, I agree with you 100 so uh next up is, is probably gonna be a bit trickier it's uh the acting category Ooh, um for me, I think it probably just tips into the second one in that it's got a lovely kind of cast of just British character actors and they've, they've all kind of got some some nice stuff to play with. Uh, and I think Cribbins is probably just slightly more believable hero than... And Castle. I agree. I think I think in the second one, um, it's all about the 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 adventure, and mm. I think I think you do really need to watch them both together. I don't think you'd watch the second one on its own, really. And no, uh, uh, you, you kind of got to just watch them. Yeah, I think you do have pair. to do the you do have to do the double build because I think all the character building and the ideas and where it comes from, what he does. Uh, and those characters and how they relate to them, how they link to uh, the Doctor and Doctor Who is is quite integral to that first one. But in this one, it is very much like you're off, that, we're off to the races. This is the adventure. We're here on planet Earth in the future. Mm-hmm. This is the Daleks are back. And um, yeah, I think I think it is. It, I think there's arguably more. Maybe there's more work you have to do in the second one because there's less stuff you're given like explicitly yeah. given to say or to to get your character across like it's a lot more of a, a physical eye because there's lots of yes. long s- sequences without any dialogue in the second one as well like just sneaking around or pretending to be a robot man or you know uh, obviously long action sequences as well uh, like running like driving away from the the spaceship and then they blow up the little mm. red truck and things so i guess in a in a way the the actors are working harder in a sense uh to get to get those characters across but yeah again the first one they're a bit more explicit with who they are where they're from what they do what this is where we're going what we're doing um yeah i don't, I don't know it, it, what do you think 
But it, again, I think because they're, they're very similar films, but this is where they where they diverge. One is more that that's classic Star Trek, the original series, uh, pontificating his his who we are, whereas the other one is more of an action film. I think everyone is great in both films, but they're being asked to do slightly different things. I think in terms of little characters. The second one has some more interesting things. So, like that, we mentioned the Black Marketeer, who's just is like Harry Lime meets Satan. He like how anyone would even remotely trust him. Like the, he, he's just really creepy. And that's but that's cool. That's great. That's that's really uh, interesting. Like you, you instantly know you're not meant to like him. And I love that. I love when he he betrays the Doctor, and the Doctor goes, "Don't worry, I expected it." Yes, um, nice that's brilliant. That's a lovely, lovely uh, the way it's delivered. Um, and I love the 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 two women in the cabin. There, there's a real glint of malice in in their eye, but also sympathy uh, from the older one. And yeah, I, I will say the Thals, for example. They're a bit. They're a bit stiff, aren't you've they? You've got they're two. A... You've got your two, and then you've got your extras. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh, we are pacifists, and we don't kill. And uh, you know, and, and arguably, it, it, they're probably more robotic than the Daleks. It, it, like the Daleks have bit, more personality. It's a bit more stagey because it's that coming from that tradition of slightly stagier kind of thing. And it's all shot in master shots as well. But what, I guess we'll talk about that later. It was, yeah, I, I think there's there's more interesting characters. And therefore, more interesting performances in, in the second one. Yeah, and I think again that relatability to it being Earth and these characters not being in silly get-up or you know gold waistcoats and things. Mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said. And I, I, I think for me, I didn't necessarily feel even when they were dying of radiation poisoning <laughs> in the first one, and they're like, "Oh yes, ooh, I didn't, rea- didn't realise." Peaky. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's just. Oh, I'm not feeling quite myself. Oh, you know. And they're like, "Oh, we need this drug," and then they've got the they have to get the drug off the thumb. You know, what, you know what they needed? Sugar puffs. <laughs> that would have done it. That's, I mean, that's how we survived clearly into twenty one fifty AD. <laughs> so that's what they needed. Good. That'll that'll stave off the radiation poisoning. Um, it might. I mean, survive the radiation clearly in uh, on uh, twenty one fifty AD. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think I felt genuinely like the Earth was in peril and that these characters were in peril in the second mm. one. I did not necessarily feel it in that first one, even when they are getting killed and shot and tricked and, you know. But, yeah, I I, I agree. I think the, I think Bernard Cribbings is a better, more rounded character than Roy Castle's because I think it was – Roy Castle is like, you I, you have one trait, and that's being clumsy and, and kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. That's it. No, until you're not, until, until suddenly you're the, you're the hero. Yes, my br- here with my brave friend, our brave friend. I was like, what, mm. what's he done that's brave? Like, other than getting a walk yeah. into a target. Oh, they, I mean, they're, they're the two most interesting fouls are, are the ones that are like, no, I must go. No, yes, punches him. It's like, no, you've got to do it. That's they're, they're great. Those two, those two are good. Yeah, they really they really go for it. Um, yeah. And and again, they show the most emotion out of a lot of them. And but, yeah, yeah. They, they add some real stakes and drama to what's going on, yeah. and, and lift those those sequences. Yeah, and and that that moment where he falls off, he goes to make the jump, he doesn't make it. He falls off. He's going to drag Bernard Cribbins down. He cuts his own rope. However, 
he manages to hold onto the cliff. Like that's like, <gasps> you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a shame that that was such a thing. And it turns out there's a ledge that he, he was there. <laughs> can you come get me? I, I actually thought that that was really funny and that was really yeah. nice. It reminds me of uh, Spider Man Two, where Man May's hanging from the clock tower, and she's like, yes. Looking- she slips off the brolly and she's like, oh, no, I'm going to fall to my death. And actually, she just lands on the legend underneath her. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Second one again. So that's two two rounds to uh, the sequel, um, Daleks. And, uh, right, the next segment or the next category is the music. So the score or the soundtrack. Uh, I, I did think the first one was, again, very Star Trekky. It did have a kind mm. of like... Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, I guess no. That's just the Doctor Who theme. Well, uh, well that was it. it. It kind of hints at the Doctor Who theme without ever doing the Doctor Who theme. Yeah, but it's 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 orchestral uh, instead of electronic. There's a there's a sense of scale there, and a sense also kind of uh, theme. Yes, definitely. And, and light motif in 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 that writing. So, I think I preferred the score to the first one. Whereas, because the the second one I found very chaotic in that it would jump from big dramatic something is happening to bam 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 as here's something funky and funny happening, and uh, but it would but sometimes it would for a few shots or for a few seconds here's a shot of Bernard Cribbin so it's the kind of funky bam 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 it's like just just pick a tone just pick one true. No, I, I think, yeah, that is, yeah. Like, I think, yeah, like you were saying, from shot to shot. So you've got that yeah. kind of dark, foreboding music, like when the when all the bricks are falling on the leader from the resistance, but yeah. then any and then they turn around and run over the Daleks. It is very funky. And, you know, the driving, that's that, you know, yeah. like, you, like you were doing then. Um, yeah, that is, it did chop and change quite a bit. I think there might have been some real hard cuts as well, if I remember rightly. Like, yeah, and, and, the music. and t- yeah, there's a couple of hard cuts. They got Barry Gray in, to add some electronics to the score, which which sound great. I think both have some really good music in them. I would say tonally are more as a more cohesive piece. The first score is is the stronger. Of the yeah, two. I definitely really got that atmospheric mood where they're walking through the petrified forest, and you know it's like it is yeah. dark, it is foreboding, it is. You know, this is not somewhere they should be or should mm-hmm. even be looking around or going near. And then you've got the creepy hand on the go- on Susie's sh- shoulder and stuff. Um, you know, there's a there's, there was a, a lot more atmospheric, I think, the first one, and it is very classic sci-fi. You know, it, it would not. You know, it's very Barbarella or it's very Star Trek. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's very Alexander Courage. It's very. Oh, it's 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 well well in that kind of world of mm. what you would expect again from a sci-fi movie of that era and of that yeah. time. But yeah, again, I'm struggling to remember the second one as much actually. But but now that, now that you mention it, it does seem to kind of come in and out like very like it, like you said because it's, it's so tonally and it, it's a lot more sixties. Sure, it, and it and it and it go. It, it's either Star Trek or it's sixties um, kind of loungy and it's it's not always i think the most appropriate and it's always constant as well it's kind of this wall of sound i guess it kind of goes with the chaos of the film it is quite a chaotic film in a good good sense you know in that it's you know it's it's all out war with the daleks Mm. you know you know humanity's last stand against them uh so i i can kind of understand 
you know, thematically why they would do something like that and have a, a soundtrack like that. But yeah, I think again, Sean, again, you're the seasoned Doctor Who expert, and I think I'm going to agree with your uh, your decision there. Yeah, so thank you. No problem, no problem. So next up, uh, this will be an interesting one: uh, cinematography. For me, I think it's the second one. There's a greater sense of scale. I think I think the actual camera work is more dynamic and interesting. There's more movement in it. The first one is we're on a set. The stuff in the way, just the master shot. We'll just stick on the master shot. Whereas there's more like you like better use of close-ups, better use of moving the camera to add add to the scenes. I actually think the way that when when they're in the lift and then they see the guy before they realise he's been turned into a robo-man with the light coming in and out. That's really ah, spooky. That's really good. And there's more of a sense of that in in the second one, whereas the first one is, apart from when Susan's running through the petrified forest on her own, and it definitely feels quite horror, everything else just seems kind of very blanket, just like the whole thing. you, You very much know you're on a set. Like you're you're you know, like even even watching them climb up and down that little cliff that little cliff yeah. before the opening of the city, you know the doors and stuff. Like obviously, again, we we know that the budget was boosted for the second one, so so there might be something uh, in that to say, you know, in the quality of things. But yeah, I I, I agree. I think there's. <laughs> It's like that shot. That shot alone of the Dalek coming out of the Thames is amazing. Yeah, like where you just and it's the reveal of the Dalek. Just the, that shot alone, and you're like, oh, what's going on? Where are we? What's happening? And then dun, 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 Daleks, but I destroyed them. You know, it's 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 brilliant. Just like that. That is iconic alone. Um, and again, like the bit where they come in with a shed, the explosions, um, the the way that the the city is depicted, the way that London is depicted in ruins and and dishevelled, and you know, I could have done with more of that. If anything, I could have yeah. done with more of that. That kind of you know, show us some more kind of famous land rocks, marks in mm-hmm. ruin like Big Ben and you know other places, you know Trafalgar Square or something. Yeah, uh, the, could... the model works better. The yes, matte paintings. Yeah, you know, the the way they marry up the the mine that they must have built on on the back lot in Shepperton with the map painting of it is really nice. There, there's some really. I think mean, the only time that that doesn't work is after the saucer crashes. Yeah, and then it yeah. cuts to the to to them on location. Yeah, that, that, that shot with, with with the model of the saucer coming towards you. You do so. Oh God, oh, it's quite big. Oh God, it's coming. To... There, there's, there's a real sense of scale in that, and then that explosion and yeah, even like the 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 little truck getting blown up by the saucer and. Uh, again, hanging out that door when he opens the door on like the second or third floor, and he has to, you know, dangles out, or you know that stunt work where he's, you know, falling off the building. Um, and again, there's more characters, so it feels like a more lived-in world. It doesn't feel as fake or as, you know, again, it's ground a bit more of a grounded story because it is Earth, it is London. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I do, I do have to agree with you. I just think, yeah, just just overall the cinematography. Again, cinematography is by the same guy, but again. We know why it's so much better. In, it's in a more confident film, the second one. The first one just feels like they're making TV. Yeah. With a slightly well, bigger budget. Yeah, here we go. This is our version of Doctor Who, yeah. you know, and it is a bit staid. It's a bit stale at times. 
and again it just it helps you uh and again the action is a bit more choreographed a bit more you know and the mm-hmm. storytelling of that action as well and how it works and and you know you always know where you are what's happening where the characters are going what they're yeah. doing in that in that first one i kind of like are we in the city are we are we out of the city what we're we doing in the city where we're we going are we following the thals are we following them you know it's, it's kind also, of also the the director hadn't realized the the lights on the daleks oh yeah yeah they they are meant to light up so you know which one is speaking but in the second one in the first one they're just like going yeah, off just going off because <laughs> uh, they they didn't realize the, the the second one i think is i think just a better con- Structured film is more, yeah. I think mean, the camera works so much better. There's some more expressive lighting, and it feels cinematic in a way that sometimes the first one struggles to. I agree. I agree. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so that is uh, that is cinematography. So, uh, direction. I think we know where where this is heading. But um, what what would be your choice for direction of the films? Well, I think it's got to be the second one. Uh, for all the same reasons we just kind of listed, really. I think Fleming knew the what he was doing a bit more in terms... I, I mean, he knew what he was doing as a director, but I mean, sure. like, in, in terms of... He he, he under, clearly understood, I think, Doctor Who a bit more sure. and was... And the Daleks a bit more. Do you think uh, maybe he, he related to the story a bit more or there was a bit more for him? Got on maybe- Earth? Yeah, maybe maybe it was more in his is in his wheelhouse being a bit more I, of an action packed story. I, I don't think I'd want to to say. I don't I want. Uh, I don't think I'm I'm qualified enough to, to to speak to that. But I do think. Well, here's the thing: if you have more budget, you you've got more time for setups and you can do more shots. True. Yeah. So you're less limited. You can be more creative. In that aspect, I mean, not always. I think some of the most creative films are the ones that have less because you Absolutely. are forced to be more creative. <laughs> Whereas I feel this is kind of one of those rare instances where a bit more money allowed them to be more daring and more interesting. So yeah, I think it's got to be the, the the second one, and I think you get some better performances out of people. Yeah, because well, so. obviously directing isn't just it's it's getting the performances as well. Um, I agree. I was just looking. I was just looking up his kind of previous work. And mm. The first thing uh, that springs to mind is the Avengers. So he was a director on the on the Avengers, which yeah, kind. I can see. I can definitely see that, especially in the second one, mm. um, with it being quite action packed and and things. So so yeah, maybe maybe he felt it was a bit more comfortable, or again, like you said, the bigger budget helped, or that he felt there was less pressure because he had the bigger budget, maybe. Or yeah, who knows. But again, I have to agree with you. I think uh, of the two, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, the second one uh, much more. It was a bit more engaging. I think, like, like we've we basically already said anyway. But yeah, the shots are better, the action's better. You follow the story better. Uh, it's a bit more relatable. Um, but I do, I do still recommend watching both together back to back because i think it will make the second one much more of an enriching experience um but i do think both films are good in their own right but i think we've clearly got a favorite yeah i i I think so i think think it's definitely the second one but like you said it works best if you've watched the first one 
Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Well, um, I think I think we can call it a day. We've uh, we've journeyed far and wide in this little uh, TARDIS of ours, and uh, we've come to our decision. And uh, we've gone on many Doctor Who related tangents, but I think Doctor Who fans will enjoy that. And uh, I, don't know, can- I don't know. Have you met Doctor Who fans? <laughs> <laughs> I've met I've, like tangents. <laughs> what a tangent. Um, <laughs> well, I've I've met Marvel fans, I've met DC fans and and they're uh, I, I I know this I know this is a podcast for fans and I am also a fan. God, we're tedious sometimes. Oh, and- absolutely. 100%. I, I I bore myself with my own tedium sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's what I think that's the takeaway from this is who cares if it's not the proper, the proper doctor. Yeah. You know, Cushing's great. He has some wonderful moments in both. I wish he'd been given scope to do more. I wish there'd been a third film. Uh, but they're yeah. fun adventures. And Apparently they bought the rights to do The um, the Chase, I believe it's yeah, called. I, I think yeah, the, I think the, the, or there was certainly an early discussion uh, discussions for yeah. that. Because But the second one did not do the box office. The first one did, weirdly enough. No. There well, I, I think because the first one probably had the excitement of it being Doctor Who, and then once you go, oh, right, it's just doing what the TV series did. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just a remake. Oh, it's oh. just a remake of the TV. So I think they should have done original stories. stories. Yeah. yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. But there you are. We, it did would not have been happen. easier to fit it into canon. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes, it would. It would have. It would have, actually, yeah. It could have gone, oh, it's yeah. just a different carnation of the doctor though it's a different adventure it's a different thing yeah, yeah. No, that's an idea it's not it's not you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility um but yeah we didn't unfortunately in another parallel universe we got that film um but <laughs> that, in that timeline in that timeline that particular timeline we got it but we didn't get it in this one so we can only compare the two um uh, but i really do appreciate you coming on at the last minute again i was supposed to do a podcast with dennis about neil adams and george perez but unfortunately uh dennis is a bit under the weather um but sean has magnanimously uh Put his time aside being a comic book writer, a teacher, a comedian, you name it. He's everything. And he's managed to find the time to watch these two films and do this podcast with me. So I really do have to thank you for doing that, Sean. It was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I loved uh, getting stuck into some the Doctor Who universe of it all and, and the non-Doctor Who universe of it all as well. Um, but where can people find you on social medias? And more importantly, where can they buy your book? Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Sean Mason, and that's Sean spelt the proper way, S E A N, and um, all one word. And what you'll see is lots of me uh, promoting my comics, posting pictures of my cat, and uh, on my word, or I am one of the people who post their word or scores, and their herd or scores, and their movie or scores. <laughs> The posted or score and uh, framed. That's the other one. I'm. I. I. am a man of routine. Um, <laughs> so be it's warned. Either, it's be either warned. that or just be constantly angry with the state of the world all the time. Yeah, I'm trying to do that less. So, yeah. but I'm. I'm equally as angry. So I, I understand your pain. Um, with all that, and I sometimes do the same. And I. I also try and do less. I. I often just say. I just happened to be watching this thing today. There's, there's enough anger in the world. Exactly. And, exactly. I, you know, and again, just, just going back to talk, fandoms, uh, there's so many just 
tedious chats in in yeah. I'm a Star Wars for like God oh, Star Wars fandom, the Doctor Who fandom. The, these pockets that just constantly just moaning about. It. I just want it's fun. Just enjoy good stories. Enjoy what you enjoy. Enjoy what be, you enjoy. Be who you are. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. As long as you're not you know a, a raving homicidal maniac or a racist or something like that. Don't yeah. Be I, the, I mean, ideally though, go go. Don't be those things. Don't go, be those things. Go watch something else. I don't. I don't want to have to engage with you at all. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> if, um, I, I hope if you are those things, I hope you're not listening. So yeah, we're we're, we're all here to. We don't like you fun. guys. We don't like yeah. you guys. All those people, <laughs> pedophiles included, all them horrible people. We don't like them. The um, worst. The worst of the worst. But, but, and but, and but again, not, not really enjoy... what Doctor Who is made for, really. No, but people who just want to enjoy fun adventures and and a love of something, whatever that be, more of that. Yes, more of that peace, is good. Peace, love, and understanding. We'll preach that, much like the Doctor does. Um, but yes, and make sure you go on uh, to Cutaway Comics. Cutaway um, Comics, that was the other thing that I will preach. Is uh, <laughs> So uh, Cutaway Comics, uh, you find them on uh, Twitter, uh, at Cutaway Universe. There was another cutaway. We ended up with two because we set one up ages ago and then we lost the password. You, I've done that, yeah. The, I've the, done the, that before. The, 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 the one that has been used recently is the right one. Um, but also just cutawaycomics.co.uk. You can order the full range uh, from there. So it's not just Paradise Towers. We've done an Amiga series, uh, Litton, uh, Amiga we've adapted into an audio drama. We've... Brian Blessed. Wow, really? It's really exciting. I, I, I got to listen to some of the... Um, I didn't write these. Uh, I, yeah, I haven't written yeah. all of them. I've only written Paradise. But um, it's a great script that, that Mark's done, and he adapted it for audio. We got Brian. I got to listen to some of the recording, and Brian was lovely, but he was also very Brian Blessed. Yeah. Uh, it would be like, ah, oh, here's the line. He goes, oh, swear, 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 swear word. I'm sorry. That was terrible. I was, oh. Um, uh, I, re- I remember we did a, I won't, I won't mention the play we did at a sci-fi festival uh, way, way back for legal, re- for, le- for legal reasons, I'm sure, because another guest told me off for mentioning it and I had to cut it out. But um, yeah, we he was there while we were trying to perform signing autographs and there was a bar, there was a, a, a market, there was several restaurants and all while we're trying to do this play at the same it's time. Brian Blessed. Just, we're trying to shout over Brian Blessed. Like just, it's bizarre. It was a bizarre day. We, we got through it. We did it. But um, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was definitely an acting challenge for myself. Definitely. <laughs> uh, which I don't think I succeeded in, but, uh, but you know, I love, Brian Blessed and and he's great and yeah and um, you know I, I hope I hope the sound the sound guy is on on it because otherwise you're going to blow people's ears off with with Mr Blessed <laughs> yeah is known for being great. loud uh, and like I said you, you can get those from the website and if you if you order direct from the website and if you are a Doctor Who fan uh, we also uh, the comics come with DVDs with new commentaries uh, we've done some new documentary content. Uh, a lot of archive stuff because our original plans for some of the stuff was hampered by lockdown, so I had sure. to be okay. What, what, you know? So uh, some really great stuff. If you're not interested about any of that, you can also order it from your local comic book store. They can order Paradise Towers in through uh, Diamond, uh, so it is available uh, in stores as well. 
physically. Um, physically. Buy physical if you can. Yeah, yeah buy physical if you can. If not, buy digitally. But most of all, buy it because I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I can't Wherever wait to read it. Wherever you get it is good and exciting. And... Absolutely. And, and is it good way comics, does it do, uh, is it all kind of Doctor Who adjacent or is it is there other it's, original stuff as well? It's all Doctor Who adjacent at the moment. Okay, okay. I can't say more. Really, say more than that. Okay, but uh, you know what? It's Doctor Who adjacent. That sounds good to me, anyway. So, but I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see what else comes out and and read uh, all about it. So, uh, yes, thank you very much, Sean, and uh, thank you for helping me out once again. I really do appreciate it. I know you've been dying to come back on. I'm glad we found uh, something for you to do, which is <laughs> which is something you would have enjoyed. I don't want to force you through something you didn't want to do. So <laughs> so I'm glad we found this. And, and again, it's all tied in quite well with the release and the book coming out and your comic and everything. So it's all, and all the other Doctor Who oh, announcements. It, it, this, was, this is the timeline we were meant to be in. Absolutely, yeah. This, this moment, yeah. This is the this is the uh, this is the true timeline. This is my timeline. I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm in it. I'm happy. I'm stuck stuck where I am. Um, but you never know. I might I might like to visit another one just for, just for just for a you know for a day trip something like that. That'd be nice. That'd be lovely. Um, but yes, you can find me as always on Facebook at Secret Balls, Twitter it's at Dan underscore Balls, Instagram it's at Spider Dan Secret Balls. Review, like, share, subscribe, comment, etc. And don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle when you interact with us and if you want to join the prattalion and be briefed in full on the secret balls uh, swing over to prattle world at spiderdan and the i'd like to thank my patrons on patreon i am jack's musings paul mellon max burn scott hodgson simon cotton mike burton and angry andy reviews for their continuing donations it is very much appreciated and helps prattle world keep on turning and if you ever find yourself in a position to help the podcast please consider it so that is a goodbye from myself and goodbye from the from the magnanimous again Sean Mason uh, wonderful wonderful man he is uh, I wish you all the best Sean uh, goodbye. With all- <laughs> goodbye 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 goodbye